Hello, and you are listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast powered by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out the BatmanUniverse.net for this and many other great podcasts in the Batman Universe family. Hashtag TBU family. There you go. Tessa slash Stella bringing it back. I am Josh, and joining me is... Comic cast favorite, Donovan. And after having just run her first half marathon on Saturday, this is Tessa Gooley. Woo! Oh my! Yep. You're you're training for your um role in Gotham season two. Yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And this week we are going to be talking about the penultimate episode of season one, the Anvil or the Hammer, which is the third part of the Ogre Saga, and uh, another fishless episode, I might add, which is interesting, but. Gordon is looking for Barbara, and joining him is Renee Montoya, because obviously she would be helping him look, because she has a history with Barbara, and she'd be concerned about her, too, which uh, makes the episode really interesting, because Renee and Gordon kind of has some tension based on the stuff that happened previously this season, and um, yeah, it, I'm glad that the writers did that, because it was a very good opportunity that they would have been fools to miss. Yeah, and, and actually that didn't happen. It was Gordon and Bullock looking for Barbara, which is still fine. Um, so, you know, the ogre is kind of a few steps ahead of them this whole time. Barbara realizes, wait a second, maybe staying in the house with this sex dungeon was a bad idea. Tries to leave. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, yes. <laughs> the ogre, you know, um, d- does the usual kind of, you know, uh, prisoner mind, you know, uh, control tactics where, like, they deprive you of a lot of food and water. Because you do have that scene where Barbara's like, you know, very, very thirsty yeah. and he finally gives her the water like that. That's a tactic used to control people. And he says, Barbara, I'll kill anyone you want. And Barbara, realizing that, you know, this is her chance to stop. Well, in that case, let's let's go back to my house. <laughs> yeah. Barbara, realizing that this is her best chance to, like, either stop the ogre or stop a bigger force of evil, sends the ogre the Don Falcone's house. Because she knows where that house is because she went there in Penguin's Umbrella. Or actually, she says, go to my mom and dad's house. So the ogre slaughters Mr. and Mrs. Keene and their butler, Jeffrey, from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> luckily. <Joseph> luckily <laughs> Wait, was their butler really slaughtered? Did I miss that? Yeah, he, yeah he, he, he's, he's, he's on the floor. Now. It's it's like oh. blink and you miss it. It's okay. like when, when Gordon and Bullock walk, walk in. Um And, you know, throughout the episode, like I said, Gordon and Bullock are a step behind him. But eventually, you know. Gordon, who's not eating or sleeping, you know, which is bothering Bullock and Lee, um, they find out through a lead at a traveling brothel of like all sorts, you know, which Gordon about this one. I was kind of confused. Yeah, Gordon got the location from Penguin like very angrily, so now he owes two favors. Uh, They track down the ogre at to um, his house, then to Barbara Keen's parents' house, where they put him down with a bullet, and that is the end of the ogre saga. But we have subplots galore, which is Nigma trying to dispose of the body of uh, Miss Kringle's uh, boyfriend who he murdered last episode. As Miss Kringle walks in, looks at the body and says, ew, what happened to that guy? Nigma writes a fake uh, breakup note, which has a subliminal message that spells out his own name. You know, pretty slick there. 
In the meantime, Bruce is still investigating the Wayne board very, very slowly. He uses the key that he and Selena stole last episode to go into the vault of one of the executives, but it's already been cleared out. The executives like Bruce, Wayne's are evil. You'll be evil too. Now come. Let my evil assistant Lucius Fox escort you out. And as he's escorting <laughs> him out, Lucius Fox whispers, Psst, kid, I'm not really evil, and neither were your parents. Have a, have a cookie. Yeah, have a cookie. <laughs> I thought of Carol. But he but does still- it in such a veiled terms that like, I feel like Bruce still doesn't understand. Well, it's confusing. Because it's yes. so riddle-like. Yeah, have a cookie. Stella, were you thinking of Carol with the whole cookie thing? You mean with the flowers? Come look at the flower. Is that what you're? Well, well, no. Like, remember, to? remember in um, oh, where, where, oh. where are Alexandra? Where Carol's like, if you if you don't tell, I'll give you cookies. But if you do tell, uh, you like you'll be ripped bits to bits by Walker. I think it's it's more along the lines of look at the flowers because it was a distracting technique for him to like go go to the throat. That's what I think it was more of a violent intention. Oh my! That How dare you reference a television show that I don't watch? I'm going to write a negative IG review right now. Mm-hmm. That'll all be good. But, but when Bruce goes home, he does tell Alfred the truth about what happened to Reggie. You know, and Alfred's actually a little upset over Reggie's death. But what are you going to do? In the meantime, uh, Penguin has set up his hit for Don Moroni that he's been talking about for two episodes. And it turns out that Penguin rigs the hit so that it goes wrong because he wants to start a war between Falcone and Maroney. And the episode ends with Essen saying, all cops, including ones off duty, need to come in. Yes, that's right. Alan Montoya, you better be back for the finale because gosh darn it, you know, we haven't seen you since like the mid-season finale. So that is the end of the Anvil and the Hammers summary. What did the both of you think of it? I like this episode. I didn't like it. The episode previous to this was better, but I still found this interesting. I didn't. Ha- there wasn't any moments of me like you know going. Get, get, get that. Um, I liked. I just about liked the uh, the conclusion to the uh, Milo Ventimiglia subplot or subplot or main plot, I should say. I thought it was interesting. It definitely led to some interesting places, which we'll elaborate on. I thought that the Bruce plot went to some interesting places, which uh, we'll talk about. I liked how the penguin thing was developed. It kind of made it more interesting. The penguin thing was it was okay. Um, I do really, I did really like kind of mark out when um, the letter that he faked spelled out the, the name Nigma. That is such a Riddler thing to do, and it felt it felt cool. So I like that bit. So yeah, I, I like. I mean, again, I like the other episode better, but this was still a, a pretty good episode, and I found myself uh, interested the entire time, and I, and I had no real complaints. I I think that the past, so this one included, the past three episodes have been rather strong. I think um, we really caught a good, I think we had good momentum with these. I, you know, I, it just felt really comic book-like to me just because I it was a strong, a longer story arc. It wasn't just, you know, a criminal of the week. And I, I feel like it was really focusing on the detective aspect of it all. And I think that's where the show is its strongest. So, you know, the ogre and everything, while it is, you know, it was very dark, um, obviously, and, and disturbing, and very Law & Order SVU for me. Um, oh, yes. I, yeah, I feel like it, it was, it, it's always a very strong story. I agree with Donovan that I think uh, the first two parts were probably the strongest, and, you know, I really liked the last episode, so I feel, I feel like it peaked in the last episode. And this one, which I guess you can expect with falling action, it wasn't as strong as the, the middle one. 
I was okay with fish not being there. Again, I just feel like, uh, you know, nothing against fish, though I guess partially it is. Uh, you know, just sometimes her storyline muddies the waters. But, you know, how many times can I say that? I feel bad. I feel like I say it every episode. The Bruce stuff. She's flying um, over waters right now. Yeah. The Bruce stuff was uh, good. I enjoyed that, but I was a little... I don't know. I was a little upset with, I loved seeing Lucius, but that interaction, which I feel like we'll, we'll talk about, I was a little upset about it, just how it went down and everything. Um, mm. and then, well, I mean, cause in the end, uh, his father ends up going on the wall of weird, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Barry Allen's conspiracy wall. <laughs> yes. I know. Um, and then the, the penguin, um, not the strongest subplot. However, I love the fact that I feel like we're getting that penguin back that has multiple layers to his plans because it wasn't just, I mean, his original plan wasn't, you know, kill Falcon or sorry, kill Maroney. He knew that was not going to work out. Uh, and he planned it so that it wouldn't. And it's funny, you know, I, as I was thinking, you know, as I was watching the show, I thought, huh. Well, there is a war coming, Penguin, and you're the one who's going to cause it. So, Ooh, you uh, saw what I was going to say. Yeah, so, you know, that's, I think that's interesting. And then, of course, Riddler, yeah, just falling down that, um, that path. And, and I wonder, you know, what's in the future for him? Is this like his first murderer for justice? Um, or is it going to break something in him? I, I don't know. But overall, strong episode, not as strong as the previous one. But I think each of the little parts added up to something that's good. Yeah, um, this ogre storyline, I didn't like. Uh, part one. Part two I thought was really strong. Part three I liked, but I did not like it as much as uh, part two. There was just a – it didn't keep up all the momentum of part two. And I really wish that we would have had the same writer for all three episodes because, you know, little things like, you know, if Selena and Bruce were at this, you know, thing together, why does she have to send him a note, you know, with the key? Wouldn't she be afraid of someone intercepting something that important? Like why doesn't she just like, you know – when they do their fake kiss goodnight, have her slip it in his pocket or something like that, you know, while they're in the same room. Uh, and it sounds like nitpicking, but like, you know, it legitimately, like, why did she have to mail it to him? And why isn't she with him seeing this through? You know, stuff like that. But otherwise, um. What should I say, you know, good luck, Bruce, in the letter? I get it. Yeah, she's off to. Well, and it's in character for this version of Selena to not want to stick around, and maybe Bruce doesn't want to work with her because she keeps on pushing junkies out of windows. And, keeps uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> she, just won't, she just won't stop. Like Selena, that's the fifth one this week. I can't. Is, help. There, is there is there a clinical term for like addiction to murder? Serial killer. Um. Dex, Dexteritis. I don't know. I'm an expert in uh, murderonomy and murderology. <laughs> <laughs> I sell murder and murder accessories. <laughs> it reminds me of the anime show XXXholic, which like the XXX you were supposed to put in, you know, whatever that what So it could be alcoholic or, you know, whatever. Um, I'm glad that we wrapped the Ogre storyline up, too, because I was afraid that they were just going to take this into the season finale. And I really want the season finale to be focusing on, like, the bigger picture and not a villain that we just met, like, you know, two episodes ago. Um, especially because there is a lot that we have to cover. And otherwise, you know, the episode was enjoyable with, like, you know, one big exception in the whole, like, you know, Barbara Keen, you know, plot, which I'm sure we'll get to. So what, what, what should we cover first? You know, the ogre and uh, 
or paying. You want to go small to large? Small to large. Okay. Well, small. I, I mean, in, I'd say small. I'd say mall, smallest would be Nigma. Okay. Yeah. You know, which um, Stella, did, were you thinking of Breaking Bad when Nigma tried to burn that body? Burn? Oh, with acid? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking. Oh gosh, is in this metal thing, and then it flashed back to what was it, season one? With the where- bathtub. Well, yeah, Walt was telling him to get that special plastic, and then he used the bathtub, and then it leaked through. Yeah, all of that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting how much – what I was really watching is how that character changed in his interactions with Kringle. Um, he was easy to lie uh, to her. I felt like he wasn't stuttering as much. He pushed her out. Oh. You know, he's like, I need to get back to what's going on. So it was a completely, like, different character shift with – normally how he interacts with her and that's what i was really paying attention to and i thought wow that is really interesting that what he's doing the cover-up and you know being very i mean he's always scientific i think with everything and his job certainly helped him with what he did and how he covered up but i I think it really changed him and his personality as well yeah so maybe he's since this murder he's now like a more confident person as opposed to you know the stuttering you know guy that's that's yeah, an interesting even way to when look he at was, it. Yeah, even when he was, ta- you know, he wrote that letter and, you know, I thought, oh gosh, is he going to have the correct voice for this boyfriend? Because he, he hasn't really had many interactions with this Tom character. I think that's his name. So I thought, how can you write a letter if you don't know it? And then when she talks to him about it and she said, you know, you know sometimes you have to read between the lines. And I mean, it was just, everything was delivered so straightforward. There wasn't any stuttering. He, he really was a different character. That's what I noticed about that, which I thought was, I think that was brilliant either on the part of the writers or certainly the delivery of the actor himself. I thought it was foolish for him to take the body into the police station. Like maybe, you know, he should have pulled a Walter White and Jesse and taken it into Mm -hmm. like, you know, his home. Mm -hmm. Um, but you but know. he has all the tools there. Well, it, that it may not look suspicious. The, the plot needed him to be there, you know. Too mm-hmm. when, I mean, I was worried when Miss Kringle like was looking at the body. I'm like, is she going to recognize her boyfriend's foot? <laughs> foot <laughs> without any, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, luckily she didn't. But you know, when he was saying like what the case was, I was concerned too because I'm like, oh man, she works in records. Like, what if she says, how come this case hasn't been logged or something like that? Like, you know, what if she gets curious? Yeah. But I, I mean, she seems like a very squeamish person, like judging by her reaction in the room. So it's probably something that she wouldn't follow up on. She probably doesn't like, you know, look up all these cases and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I agree that like he did seem more like, like, like more focused, like this murder at least gave him a lot more conf- I don't know, confidence. But like, you know, he wasn't like kind of just gibbering or, you know, being, he was like very, very coldly lying and. You know, I, I too am like, you know, it would behoove you if you didn't bring the mangled corpse of the the cop you just killed into the place where you both work at where his girlfriend would question it. But like, uh, you know, plot or at least like, you know, it'll be easier for the, for the, I guess for the sets. So we wouldn't have to see like, you know, his Jim Carrey household. But, um, <laughs> I do. I, you hate your boss and your car. Guess what I do? In your hate. dreams, you can blow their head off. Yes, indeed. What? It's the song that was playing in Batman Forever when you see Riddler's apartment. Oh, the gigantic, like, Riddler, like, uh, I don't know what that thing was. Anyway, um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I'm liking Riddler more now that he's shown to be a bit crazier. I will say, I, I don't know. It, it's, it, it's a, it's not a bad idea to show him start being crazy by killing somebody. I don't know how, how violent Riddler as a character 
tends to be. I remember, I think this is right, like right before, right after I left the comic cast on and going, we're like, uh, in, in zero year. Didn't he like feed a guy to a lion, Stella? Am I misremembering that? In zero year? Yeah. Uh, I don't, you were talking about the Red War? Yes. I, there was some, yeah. He does some crazy stuff yes. on there. There was a zip of like, you know, uh, and the mean, uh, show you what I mean, business. Like he, somehow it's murdered cruelly, but like, the river technically, it's not like he's not a guy, he's, he's a guy that wouldn't kill, but he's not really a guy who's a serial killer or murderer. So that's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm not necessarily complaining, but I am pointing out, like, you brought up how Selena's not really a killer. Neither is really the Riddler. And it's one of those things like, you know, this is to show you, to show you that they're evil. But at the same time, I thought that like Corey. Well, he didn't mastermind Hush. Well, well, well you know. But I, I think that like the acting is is good enough. I'm I'm not really complaining. I'm just pointing out that like you know if this is sort of like you know his path to villainy. Um, I guess I guess Batman Forever this is the same thing. So like you know if you want to show the Riddler becoming the Riddler, he has to kill somebody. Also in the animated series, he tried to kill Mockridge. So I guess he's always trying to kill somebody's origin story. But uh, he was Lionel Luther in the animated series. Hell yeah, he was. But um, I I I did like it enough and, I, and I, again i love the whole enigma uh coda at the end so i thought i thought it was it was nice for what it was i would like to see uh kringle brought into a bit more because uh, i i'm starting to like the actrix the character is you know whatever the plot needs her to be but like i, I, I haven't even seen her twitter i think she, she, she seems kind of fun so i would like to see the two of them together on a more ongoing regular basis as opposed to like a scene an episode do you think she'll get killed by the riddler hmm. that would be or she'll die like forcing him even more over the edge that would kind of be lame maybe I, I, Penguin I will like kill to, her I would like the fact that like she I don't know I mean we've, we've noticed how often she they have the same plot show up but I've grown to kind of like like their the two of them's relationship or chemistry at least so I would prefer that she hangs around for a little bit longer and not die but uh, you never know Oh my! Well, I wouldn't want her to die right away, but I feel like you know maybe they'll grow closer and closer, and he'll try and hide himself from her, and uh, she'll see his true nature and get scared away, and maybe something will happen. Maybe he won't kill her, but something will happen to kill her. He killed the the dude. Uh, and we meet Lucius Fox. Uh, how did you guys feel about this version of Lucius Fox? I liked it. I was super excited to see that he was there, and uh, at first I was trying to reconcile i guess his age i was trying to think through it and i thought yeah i guess that makes sense because he is um you know he's gray he's not old but you know he's probably in his 50s i guess when bruce is at his height so i was i was excited about that what i didn't like is that he's spoken riddles to bruce and i thought to myself you're already taking the risk to talk to him about it you forewarned him you said do not change your facial expressions because they record you know they video record everything because I set it up. So obviously they don't audio record. So I thought, why not be, you know, straightforward with what you are telling him? He already said once, I don't understand you. And yet he continues on and he said, you know, he's a stoic guy. He, he doesn't show. And if at the end you see, you know, Bruce cutting this photo and putting it on his conspiracy wall, obviously he did not know or understand what you were saying. And so that was my big problem is why not just be forthcoming, forthright about what, you know, what you're saying. But I did love, you know, that there was an interaction and I loved that he, he made that attempt. But my goodness, if there was ever a time to be clear to an eight year old, sorry, to a 12 year old, now was that time. This isn't the comics. I don't think it's that Bruce didn't believe Lucius. I think it's just 
he's hearing what Lucius not believe he didn't understand. But I think he understood it. I think it's just a case of like he can't shake what the first guy told him, and that's the thing that like you know he can't get out of his head. You know, and 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 Lucius didn't really offer any proof. He just said, you know, like didn't he give him like some riddle? Like like what what was it again? Like he's like that's all I have to say. Oh, is it, uh, your father was a good man, a true stoic. That's all you need to know. No, but but he said yeah, something so else. He said, "Just remember," and he like said some phrase that like it sounded like it was meant to have some sort of double meaning. The river ends at the stores. Yeah, <laughs> keep your friends close and your enemies closer. <laughs> um, I don't. I think I may have. I think you may have said that Lucius Fox appears, but I forgot when I was watching the episode. So like, when evil business man guy says, "Ah, Lucius Fox, my right hand man, he'll see you out," and then like, I was, I was like, "Okay, that's 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 that they can do that." I mean, it's in the it's it's been in the canon now that like Lucius is older than Bruce, which you know he wasn't initially, but like Batman Begins made other other iterations that so, but I don't really care anymore. Um, like oh. like because uh, like no, and, and when he's introduced, he was like roughly loses. Uh, Bruce's age in the Bronze Age, and um, I think he was a little older in the animated series. And then the Batman, he's a Morgan Freeman ripoff. And in this one, he's a Morgan Freeman impressionist because the guy talks and it's like uh, put on Southern ice, which I thought was honestly hilarious. But um, because he that, that he didn't look, he didn't look like the guy who would use that kind of accent. But um, I thought I like the actor. I feel like I've seen him before. I'm not sure where, but um, I thought he was pretty cool for Lucius Fox. I like this scene generally. I think this scene was kind of meant to like sort of instill an obsessive and paranoid nature in Bruce. Like, I don't know who to trust. And that's like my least favorite aspect of Batman, <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a thing, I guess. But I, I liked Lucius in, in, uh, in Clutch here. What exactly was Bruce hoping to find in the safe? I wasn't really sure about that. I think probably proof, right? Proof of their, their dirty. Yeah, that, that would be it. Okay. Cause, um, they, that's the guy that hired Reggie. So if he hired Reggie, then you know there must be something in the safe. But no, yeah, I, th- I thought that Lu- Lu- Lucius was good. I thought that uh, I don't know if I've ever complained about a Bruce Wayne scene, to be honest. Like, there's always been like you know, oh, will, he, will there be a reason for him to show up? But like, the actor's very good. He's focused, and I don't think that like whatever he does is without reason. Um, I I like I do like the fact that he kind of fessed up to Alfred, saying, "Look, Alfred, I, you yeah. know, like like like, like Selena kind of killed him." Um, I wonder, yeah, I wondered if he was going to do that, and I'm glad that he did. I wonder what the repercussions will be, and if their relationship is going to change. Well, I mean, he was in, in like, like Alfred, like pressed him, like, like, what else would happen? And he's like, no, no, seriously, I'm telling you all the truth. And I think they're like, they're, I don't know if they're they ever lie to each other. There still needs to be repercussions for Selena, you know. But I mean, Alfred, Alfred doesn't believe in that kind of justice. Well, it's Bruce. So. Um, because Alfred didn't want to report Reggie to the police in the first place. He's like, oh, we settle things like a gentleman. So maybe he won't report Selena. I don't know. I think it was also kind of Bruce to do that because, you know, Alfred was going through this tough time. They were friends. Obviously, Reggie had this, this you know, this downfall here. But even, you know, in him talk, he never said a bad thing about Reggie, even, you know, even at the end and, and his funeral and everything. And he even defended him and said, you know, even when he was 
three sheets to the wind. I don't think he said that, but even when he was three sheets to the wind, he could walk a tight rope. And so I, I think it was also, I felt like Alfred was somewhat <laughs> doubting the circumstances. And so for Bruce to say, this is what happened, then at least the truth is out there. So maybe Alfred could get past that. Um, but, but I think, you know, obviously Bruce was, was guilty. And obviously Alfred was wrong too about like him being able to walk a tight rope, three sheets to the wind, because in that episode where he dies, like he's sticking his hand right outside that window to get that bag of, you know, heroin. And it's taken, it's taken him like 10 minutes (laughs) to like reach this thing that's right in front of him. Was it blue heroin? (gasps) But but they don't make blue heroin. (laughs) It's, it's blue meth. (laughs) <laughs> is he a Heisenberg customer? Do you think he got it from those neo-Nazis? <laughs> We're losing the show again. <laughs> I know. I have a question that's going to seem silly, but um, I, I no. really think that it's a good one. Uh, what do you think about Bruce finally accepting that cookie? <laughs> um, I was hoping he'd throw it out like, on the silly. way like out. There'd be like yeah. a garbage and he'd like toss it in there. Yeah, or just continue. I mean... Do you think there's anything to that? that I, I think it was just to shut the guy up. Oh. I mean, sometimes a cookie's just a cookie. Okay. I mean, it's like, when I was a little boy, if anyone ever offered me a cookie, I took it. Like, um, <laughs> that, that actually sounds like that would be a problem. But uh, I, 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 I have no thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about Lucius Fox because he was just there to, like, you know, you know do some Da Vinci Code style stuff. <laughs> you know, about the mystery of the Waynes. Josh, what do you think about how Lucius Foss has kind of like, you know, evolved as a character in the past decade? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the whole Morgan Freeman thing and him being, you know, Batman's Q had a lot to do with it. And, you know, and you're talking about his age, like, you know, Lucius Fox has had like grown daughters in continuity for a while now. So that would automatically put him to be like older than Bruce anyway. Mm-hmm. Um so the age thing didn't bother me because that is the first thing I thought when I saw him. It's like, okay, we got another person who's older than Bruce, and I did some math in my head, and I was like, ah, it's it's not a big deal. But I mean, it's and I I haven't been reading modern Batman comics except for you know a little bits here and there since the new Fifty Two started, so I don't know like what they're doing with him. I did see see some art before the new Fifty Two started, where like they were even starting to draw uh, Lucius Fox more like Morgan Freeman which I thought was kind of ridiculous. But I, I feel like Alfred fills a lot of the Lucius Fox role anyway. You know, he's just the guy that, like, runs the Wayne board, and he's an occasional hostage like he was in Batman and the Outsiders when it began. You know, stuff like that. I mean, he's not really... He's not a character who, at least in the stories that I remember reading, maybe there's stuff I've forgotten or stuff I haven't read, but he's not really a character that has, you know, in the comics, like, a lot of pathos. Like, you know... I couldn't really sit down describing Lucius Fox for 20 minutes. You know, he's he's more of a plot device, you know, for certain aspects of Batman's, you know, corporate life. And Batman's corporate life, frankly, isn't shown as much as it used to be, like, especially as the years go by. Well, I mean, I'm not putting this as a point like, you know, it used to be this way. But I'm saying like, you know, it's definitely to me at this point, it's like they keep on doing the same thing that Batman Begins did. Almost as though it, that, that's that's what you do with Lucius Fox. I will say I think that like he's been given more to do than he has been in his entire history. Like he's more than like you know the man the, like they call him the, the, the guy with the mightiest touch at Wayne Enterprises because someone needed to run the company. Bruce Wayne wasn't, and he was always kind of suspicious. Of, you know, he always knew Bruce was deeper than he let on, but he never knew he was Batman. And then 
Batman Begins comes, and he's always like, you know, the guy that Bruce Wayne asked to make him Batman crap. And like, it's interesting. It's interesting to me how they've kind of really hopped on that idea because they did that in uh, Earth One. Uh, they did it in Earth One. They didn't in the Batman. They did it. I think even like in Batman Incorporated, like Morrison kind of just like stole that idea. And it, it, I'm not necessarily complaining about it. I think that like, it's interesting though that like they keep on going back to the idea as though it's part of the mythology. And to me, it would be like it would be like something adding in something from the mythology that that the Burton movie did. I don't know, like like uh. Joker, Joker's Joe Chill. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing where like it's a very specific. It, it's a very well, specific or how they did rip off Catwoman's origin in well, the new Fifty Two. I, I think they actually went back on that, haven't they? Not. I think. Tell me that up. they did. That would be awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just making observation about it, just because it's not like I think. I think this show has like you know ah oh, the Haley Circus thing you know. And then, you know, ah, oh, we have, uh, you know, Riddler's first kill, Sealant's first kill. It feels like they're, they're trying to build a mythology, but the mythology is kind of coming from shaky ground. <laughs> but um, I'm just making an observation. I don't really. Well, this, to um, go back to Lucius Fox, though, like you're saying that they're taking the Batman Begins template, which that stuff bothers me a lot in media. But like in this case, let me play devil's advocates. Would you argue that like the role that Lucius Fox has in Batman Begins is more interesting than anything he's done in the comic? Well, yeah, I said that. I said that. I, I do think that like okay. ultimately it is. It's a lot more used to the character. And I, again, I don't necessarily mind it, but I'm just saying this isn't what the character's always been like. Yeah, a lot of comics that I remember with Lucius Fox would be like, you know, like, for example, the Batman Secret Files and Origin Story. He's like walking in like, okay, Bruce, I have business things to tell you. Oh, Bruce is sleeping again. He never takes anything seriously. And then, like, Bruce, like, opens one eye looking at the reader, like, as if to, like, wink at the camera, like, haha. But Lucius doesn't suspect that I'm really Batman. I know the exact image you're thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, st- stuff like that. Like, oh, why won't this guy, you know, care about the company? Well, he knows that Bruce cares about the company, but he's like, oh, Bruce Wayne, you know, this millionaire who's always silking off his responsibilities to play golf and frolic with Julie Madison and Linda Page at the well, beach. Well, no, yeah. I, I, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not whining about it, although it might sound like I'm, I'm just I'm just pointing out the the uh, the observation that, like, you know, I, like, I think this is, if you count this and some of the comics like, of, of the last decade and the Batman, and I feel that, and, and Earth One, this is like the fourth or fifth time they've, they've done that. But this, this is all within like the last 10 years. So it's relatively, and he's been around like, like 30 years plus that. So it's relatively new, but they keep on going back to it. I find it interesting. So, uh, as I, I will say though, before you get to the next point, I'm, I'm on, I'm on Tumblr as I was to be in like, uh, Robin Lord Taylor is tweeting. Miss Kringle, open your eyes. Read between the lines, girl, and get with Nigma before he kills us all. <laughs> I found that amusing. Uh-huh. One thing that bothered me was – I feel like that's one of my like catchphrases on the show. One thing that bothered me – one thing that bothered me is how the trailers have been showing scenes that are like not in the episodes like, you know, Barbara collapsing and – uh but then, like this time, you know, we hit, there was a scene that they, which I guess is going to be next episode, where Miss Kringle's like, you know, do you know what happened to him? And Edward's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And for this one, it's like that we we were supposed to get a scene of Bruce, like, what was my father's secret? And then like opening up what's presumably the Batcave, which we have that on the preview for next episode now too. So it's weird that a lot of the trailer stuff for this episode is going to like wind up being in the season finale instead. Yeah, I, I, I got this. Episode, like this episode, the promoters almost didn't have faith in this episode to like actually use scenes from the episode because I saw that that clip too, and it's like you know 
they didn't know what else to go on because I think they've done before. They, they've used clips from other shows to promote the next episode before, so maybe they're just yeah. Bad. Like the one of the episodes just used a bunch of scenes from Penguin's Umbrella. I remember. Um, one scene had like like Riddler walking by a wall of question marks, and that never ever happened. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, so Penguin starting gang wars, which, you know, I, I almost feel like we actually had that gang war in Penguin's Umbrella, even though it was only like two battles and then it ended. But that was the war. I feel like it would have been in his best interest to kill Maroney first, because like, you know, if Don Falcone dies in this gang war, you know, Maroney's even like said to him, like, you better hope that old man lives a long life. So, uh, yeah. You know, there's a little bit of danger there, but I guess, you know, Penguin's reckless like that. But the moment that those guns went off and, like, no bullets came out, I knew that, you know, this was the work of uh, that Oswald Cobblepot. I'm like, okay, he he's up to something. He wants this to fail for some reason. And I, I'm not sure I can quite get behind that. I mean, he's a mastermind, but I don't, like, I don't quite get, you know, his masterminding this time, and I don't quite find it as clever, but... It sets up the season finale, and you know he had to buy a restaurant for this. Like it was like, the only way to to start this gang war. Like he had to take over this exact restaurant. Like we had like three episodes of him setting this up, like this fake execution. But okay, it was only three though. I would have been more annoyed if he spent as much time as Fish did. Like soon I will strike against Don Maroney in this restaurant I purchased. Boss, why are you talking like that? I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, it was clear in the very beginning, right, with uh, him purchasing it, purchasing it from Ma Kettle. Um, <laughs> that uh, yeah, what, I just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, that you know, it was because he knew that Moroni frequented or patronized the uh, the actual the the restaurant. So, I mean, I think it it, it continues. I would disagree that you know that it was. Uh, you didn't say pointless, but, you know, that it was not necessary to set up, you know, all of this stuff that was happening. Because if we know Penguin, he does have this knack of pulling long, not really long cons, but long plans that seem to work themselves out. Like, he's always several steps ahead as if he were, you know, a brilliant chess player. And I think that this was part, part one was, in fact, purchasing this because he knew that Moroni would come often. Part two was, of course, getting Carmine Falcone's hitmen to under, you know, there, but, well, to agree to take out Moroni and to, you know, uh, convince them that, th- that Carmine wanted this. And then part three was, you know, setting up everything and part four was, uh, you know, uh, the, the end result. So he's always those steps ahead. And I, I think I enjoyed it. it. It wasn't as exciting as other plots, certainly that he had. I think nothing can beat the Carmine stuff that was happening mid season, but I think it's still true to the character and how he sets up and and his plans and that well you know it's all about him really because it's all about his survival but now he's i think he's getting too big for his britches to a certain extent he really maybe it's just him being in that club in that atmosphere but he's becoming fish in the sense that he's trying to step out from under other people and step up to a place that he thinks fits him more as a person, which could be dangerous because he's tried that before and he's been smited down a couple times. But he'll be know, in the trunk I, of a car I, again. 
Oh my! But yeah, I think it. I think it goes along with his character. I, I think it's still in line with that, and and that there's still consistency there. I um, I don't have much to say, but I, I liked it because it showed that like, I like when people, again. I said last episode, I like when people are conniving. It's not just an A to B straight line plan he has. He has like you know plans among plans, and I don't know if I like said, oh, the big one, you know, messed with their guns immediately after it happened. I mean, it wasn't a huge shock, but like. I was waiting to see where it was going, and I, th- I think it's, I, I think it is a good idea that have Maroni and uh, Falcone fight it up, so he'll be at the top because Fish is gone. He has nothing to fear from her, nothing to fear from her until next week. So like he once he you know killed two birds with one stone, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So I think that was pretty uh, good of him. I, I liked where it was going. I liked that even Butch didn't see it coming. I think that like uh, I think that like like Sel said at the beginning. I like the fact that, like, the big war that he bragged seeing about in the first episode, all the blood in the streets and all, all that kind of violence, he bring, he seems to bring that about. And Gotham needs him to do that. I, I think that's pretty cool. So I, I like the. It really makes Penguin, uh, you know, worth his salt. It really makes him to be a worthwhile character. And you can kind of see this guy be a big problem for Batman later on. So I thought that was quite cool. I liked how that turned out. Well, and we'll see how this whole gang war goes down next episode, and uh, you know, maybe even bigger than the one that we got in Penguin's Umbrella. And I, I thought of Don when that uh, head got delivered to you know Carmine Falcone, and like the show remembered that he was a character, like you know, in the last five minutes of the episode, like him and SN like show <laughs> up, you know, like because we haven't like they haven't participated in a little while but anyway like i thought of don because of that like severed head and don's comments about how the show is always you know like very much in love with itself and the violence that it does how, how did how did that strike you actually part of it was expected like you know oh, the heads are me in there that means that means that means, that means business and part of it was no that was, that was pretty much it i mean i don't know at, at, at my age i've seen so many things that like disembodied heads don't necessarily bother me it is a bit violent but it was obviously fake, and that wasn't real head. <laughs> I feel that like <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like I, I'm so used to Gotham trying to show off its violence that like it had no effect on me. But and it's also and it, I, I, it delivers the part of you know okay that, that means this is gang war. So I'm not sure else they, how else they could have done it. But I, I guess like you know, under the Red Hood, the animated movie, they didn't show any of the heads that that Red Hood chopped off, but they uh, implied it and inferred it. So it doesn't really matter one way or the other. Yeah, there's um I'm trying to remember there was a cartoon where like somebody got like beheaded and uh I'm I'm not talking about that stupid Spider-Man MTV thing but like another one where like someone was obviously beheaded but uh they like shot around it so that like you could tell the person was beheaded but you never actually see, you know, the head and the body in the same shot. And now Gordon versus Ogre and you know a few things to talk about here. You know, one it's uh uh <laughs> You know, it, it's funny because last week I was like, oh, man, you know, so much development with Lee this episode and you and Stella were like, eh, I don't think so. But I feel like we got a little bit more of that here. And he even says to um, uh, Lee at the end, like, I don't love Barbara anymore. I love you, which he did tell her he loved her last episode. Well, that was, yeah, the last episode. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm, com- I'm comparing because oh, okay. I, I feel like we have s- stuff like that this episode. And I'm saying you're, okay. you, you both are just going to have the same reaction. No, I think this is a better place, the I love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, well, actually, yeah. Let's let's talk about the Lee side of it before we get to everything else because I I like how she wasn't overtly like jealous, like oh, Jim's going after his ex fiance. I 
did think that it was funny that uh, she found out about Barbara in like off screen land because it would be interesting for her to know that like right before they started dating, Jim literally ended like an engagement, like a wedding that he was planning with somebody else and what her reaction to that might be. But, um, you know, that that's, I guess, not the most important moment. But I thought it was weird that like she automatically knew who Barbara was. But I thought that she was very, very secure in herself, you know, and, and their relationship, that she wasn't worried about him chasing his ex-fiance. Her only concern, which she articulated at the end, was, I, I know you and how driven you are and that the guilt ultimately would have, like, destroyed you and destroyed us. But it wasn't, like, a jealousy thing. She just, like, knew his nature and knew that, you know, how he would react if something happened. So what do we think about Lee this episode? Leslie is almost perfect. Like, 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 like in a lot of ways, like, like, like the way she's written, you know, she's not going to be the preening, jealous, irritating female love interest, which is a good thing. I mean, I, th- I think that's great. I like the fact that, like, she admits, you know, I was afraid that this whole incident would, you know, re- revive feelings that you have from Barbara's and I would lose you even if she died. Because that's very human of her. And the fact that she admits that is pretty good. I think the way she does it. She, is she a, didn't say it would revive feelings. She just said that, like, if she died. It would ruin what they had together. Yeah, like, because he would never forgive himself. And ultimately, he would, like, shut off emotionally. Okay. Details are important. <laughs> but but um, it's very human. I, I, like, I like that 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 she admitted that. I think that the way that like Marina Buchanan kind of acts is a bit like, huh, I thought you were going to leave me if she died. Like she, she almost almost laughs about it, and I think that like uh, it could have been done a bit serious, more seriously. But I thought it was good all the same. Um, I was just just really likable. Even even like when she's clearly when she started out, she was clearly written to be like the most likable female character in the show. To where, so where I, I had a hard time kind of like getting on her side because it, it was, <laughs> I don't know. There's that one episode where she won't have sex with him, and she's like, "Let's go like Scooby Doo hunting by the haunted bridge," and he's like, "No." Well, yeah, that was even then that was entertaining. But like, uh, no, I was just gonna say it's not like she wasn't letting him have sex with her it's that she decided there was something more important which i feel like the mystery of um uh what well, the blind fortune teller the royal uh not the royal uh the the, the hellfire, hellfire club. club yeah we've come a long way since then about like two or three months I forgot what about. You, were, you were talking you were talking about lee and how likable she is yeah she is i, I think that a lot of us are like um marina mccarran's gorgeous smile and general sexy overlook but like uh I, I think she's acted very well i think she's acted very likable i think that she could come off as a kind of a stiff one-note character but i think she's very nice and um it's it, I, I do like that line that she just says you know i was jealous i was slightly you know fearing that this wouldn't work out but uh you know it's good i think I love when she also says to him, like, um, you haven't, sl- when was the last time you slept? And he's like, I don't know. When was the last time you ate? And then she says, well, I know better than to try and get you to sleep, but can you please at least eat something? <laughs> um, like she knew better than to say, Gorn, you need to go to sleep. But Stella, what, what do you think of your, uh, of your ship? Cause this is your ship, you know, Gordon Lee. <laughs> it is my, uh, yeah, my ship. I, I do think that uh, she was human to a certain extent and and did feel I think those feelings of jealousy um that uh you said you know weren't there in that one moment where he is talking to her by the desk and and talking about Barbara and everything I think that just because you know there's always that that ghost of a female's past um thank you Daphne Demore who wrote Rebecca um 
so I, I felt like there was a moment, you know, just that there there was, you know, someone before me and he may still care about her, may not, you know, I think the feelings are certainly different than the feelings that he has for, for Leslie, but you know, they were there. So I think, I mean, she walks away, right? So I think there was something there. I think that there was perhaps an envious feeling or, or some sort of feeling there made from her. I do like her support. I, I think that, uh, I don't want to say it's unbelievable. I think that probably a diamond in a rough of, you know, uh, a female and one in a relationship that she would be so open like that and supportive Mm -hmm. and completely trusting, right, and faithful that, you know, I know that you love me and I know you have no feelings for her, though I do think she had that slight slip. Um, And, you know, it, it was nice to see her. I mean, she's not nagging, I, I think. I, I don't think she's there yet, but just the fact that she cares about him and is, you know, trying to get him to stop, which is certainly what Bullock was doing. I think if it was just her saying all of this, then it'd be like nagging. But because Bullock was also saying, you need to slow down, you need to take something, and he was ignoring him as well, that it works out really well. Um, I, I like the fact that, you know, I think it goes to show that he does really care for Lee in the fact that the previous episode, he thought that she was the target. He, so, he's forgotten you know. about Barbara, like in the last episode yeah. until the very end. Yeah, it's true. But sometimes it happens, though, in shows that, you know, these villains reveal the true care, the true feelings within somebody, though, that, you know, they attack the person that they see is the, the actual love. And then that hero realizes, oh, I love you all along. So I'm glad it didn't go down that road. But I felt like this I love you was... Um, I don't know if tender is the word or earnest. more. I, I just felt like it was, yeah, I, I think it was more sincere and more earnest. The than, potty one. You know, that bathtub scene. Yeah, because I just felt like that came, it came out and it felt like it was under pressure. Like there's bad stuff happening. But here things were resolved. Uh, they were talking about the past, which I think was good. And then he said, you know, I, I love you. And I just felt like that was, it was better played than the previous. What episode. if she calls her Barbara accidentally? <sighs> What, during the throws of past? Oh, that would be even worse. No, no, no. <laughs> well, what else would he say that? Would um, you, uh, anytime, like, like, oh. <laughs> anytime. Would you, would Any- two of you, um, hold on, would two of you, like, uh, <laughs> would you guys agree that there are times where she's I thought you were going to ask us to, like, do something, like, for a second, like, <laughs> the way you were saying. He's getting upset. You keep, you keep interrupting. Would you, would the two of you agree that, like, there are times where Leslie's written to be too good to be true? A little bit, but it's not – she's not this, like, saintly woman that came down from the heavens and, like, you know, like, solved every single crime, you know, on her first try yet. Like, she still, you know, like, makes mistakes. Like, in um uh, The Blind Fortune Teller, when she was like, Jim, you know, maybe this guy's legit. Like, she didn't realize he was the killer, so – Well, the plot would have happened I, was if she didn't do that. I think she has less character flaws – but um, you know, and now that you're, uh, and now that you're saying this, you know, I'm probably going to be like on the lookout for it. Like, at, I'm not going to be able to unsee it. Like, you know, next week in this. Oh, I, I, I think I think it's like bloody apparent that like she's written to be kind of like a like, like a uh, too good to be true kind of character. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but like it, like like she's she's almost not an actual character. She like like she almost she's almost just like the the, the perfect girlfriend to contrast as how horrible Barbara is. <laughs> Yeah. I think that because, like, it's coming, like, straight from Barbara, 
that you know like we're less to notice like gee isn't she too good to be true because it's more of like a refreshing thing whereas if we would have had lee from the beginning maybe we, we would have been more critical of the fact that she was no nah, I, th- I, th- I think even regardless if barbara's not there she's still like the very supportive and there's nothing wrong with that i'm, I'm not saying you know she has to be hateable but like to me it's like between the actress and just like what she's doing she does come off as like you know like the one good thing in Gotham, period. And it's, it's just noticeable to me. I should probably stop like pointing things out because it's not like I'm complaining, but I'm not. They, they have good chemistry. Like I'll, I'll say that. And I'm wondering if like the writers noticed that and decided to change course, like somewhat. If she were to, if she were to die, I think that, that we would all be uh, justifiably angry because she's a good character. <laughs> we will well, yeah, she has die. to grow up to kill Stephanie Brown. <laughs> well, I mean, like, besides, like, you know, comic continuity, which, which they gleefully ignore, like, she's the kind of character where, like, you wouldn't want to see anything happen, bad happen to her, which is, which again, it's fine, but, like, it's funny how, like, to me, that, that comes out a lot whenever she appears. Like, she's always doing the right thing. She's pretty self, you know, not perfect. And yeah, that's true. There was that time when she faked the death of a teenage girl and, like, ran away to Africa to teach Batman a lesson. So I was about to say, like, she's pretty perfect in the comic, but that's not true. Like, she and Bruce, like, like argue about ideology a lot. She hasn't met Bruce yet. You know, that would be an interesting thing to happen for the two of them to start their relationship. Um, you know, when I say relationship, you know, for the non comic readers out there, I mean a strictly platonic, you know, maternal. Well, even relationship in the, uh, in the comics, like in pre crisis, where she didn't know who Batman was, she always kind of, she was, she was written to be like, you know, like the old, the nice old lady, like, oh, Batman, I wish that, you know, you weren't necessary so Gotham could be in peace. Forgive me. And then in post-crisis, she's kind of changed like the, the woman who would just whine at Batman for like, you know, why don't you stop being Batman so you live a nice life? Why are you why, why are you punching Killer Croc, Batman? Leslie, he was trying to eat a group of kindergartners. I don't care, Batman. You're always being so violent. You should have yeah. found another way. <laughs> like, So I guess this version of Leslie is actually the, the most likable version. Um, Moving on with other stuff in the Ogre plot, I – I have to talk about this. Barbara, <laughs> of all the places she could have led the ogre to, I mean, I I kind of went over this in, in my fake little recap, you know, but to her parents' house, which, you know, I, I get that, like, he's like, I will kill you if you don't give me any name. And I get that Barbara did not, not have her wits about her. You know, and it reminds me of Star Wars where, like, Leia has a choice over, like, what planet to destroy. No matter, like, what she says, someone's going to die. So, like, she, you know, she has her back up against a wall. But that was very, very di- – I'm very, very disturbed by that. And it's going to be, like, really hard for me to forgive Barbara for that. Like, they need to follow that up. She needs to feel some sort of remorse or guilt or something like if in the next episode which i've i read the description barbara's going to be in the next episode if in the next episode barbara's like in her evening gown like you know sipping wine as if like she didn't just cause the murder of her parents i i will be very upset um that's what that's what happens yeah the next time we see her she's going to be like you know you know doing pilates with like selena and ivy uh or something like that but um, what did both of you think about yeah, and and Stella said, I think it was Stella who said that um, when we saw Mr. and Mrs. Keene, you know, back in, I think the episode was what the little bird told him. We thought that, like, it almost played like a deleted scene, and now, like, we know why that scene was necessary, because I guess it sets up this one, you know, because otherwise, like, it would have been really, really random, like, what? Barbara's parents? These people we've never seen before are now dying? 
Um, but yeah, the end of the weekend with Everett. I my first question is: I'm glad you you brought up about how you know her prison, her life as a prisoner, and um, just perhaps the things that she had been put through, like not being fed or given water. My question is: how long she was in this uh, situation? Because I feel like it, there needs to, I felt like, I don't know. It may, Not even a day. TV. Yeah, that's the problem. And because of that, I was not, I did not believe that she, even though I feel like she still is a weak character and weak-willed, I felt like she would not have been under this trance so easily. I feel like you need, I, you know, there's more deprivation that needs to be gone through for someone to be there because she was like an automaton uh you know just the way everything was going and even though she was saying please you know with the when, when jim what are you killed, doing here yeah it was it was so weird and i thought you know this is um gosh what is that woman's name that was kidnapped uh in the Patty 80s Hurst. Yes, you know, I thought, is this where we're going? And it would have been believable had, had it not been had a day. They told us, yeah, <laughs> no, no, that that's that's legitimately my my problem with that. Now, when he's forcing her hand and saying, um, "You will die, or someone else will," you know, in order to free you, uh, part of me was thinking to myself, if I were in this position, what would I do? And, uh, that's very hard for me to say. I don't know. You know, in the best case scenario, I, I would hopefully, uh, sacrifice myself, uh, for the other person, you know. And not give um, my address. Th- that's. This is going to be like yeah. one of those would you rathers on BTO. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, Don, you're well, kidnapped by the ogre, you know, like. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Next time Shag's on. Um, so anyway, so that's, that's something that I thought of. Number two. She's forced. Her hand is forced. I'm, I'm running through all the characters in this. I'm like, Renee, does she have that much of a vendetta against her? So what I was thinking before this was all revealed, I thought to myself, I hope she says Jim Gordon. And it's going to make sense to the ogre because, and he may actually be happy, remember, because he said, I will only become angry if you mention Jim's name. Because if she said kill Jim, then he would be happy and think, you know, this is, uh, this is good because you'll be freed and you're, you're really in love with me now or will be. And if she had thought about it, I feel like going after Jim, he would be able to defend himself. So I think she needed to give the name of someone that could potentially defend himself, protect her, save her, and kill the ogre. That would have been the right thing. To say her parents, I did not see that coming whatsoever. I I think it's uh, we don't even know. I mean, the relationship was obviously mm-hmm. bad given the 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 five minutes that we saw with them and how they you know interacted with her. But that's all we got. We have no backstory. We have no reason to understand or believe that she would choose these two people. But I thought I just thought, man, how disturbing is that to be? You know, she has given people that potentially are innocent despite what they may have done. And I was upset about that. Um, I, I couldn't Yeah. I, I think I said, Oh, no complaints, but I will be with you in that. Like, 
we don't really know what the deal is with her parents. You know, we had that one very brief scene where there was awkward dialogue, but we don't know if like her parents just like, you know, were abused her emotionally and like weren't there, were too distant and were not there for her emotionally and they were just rich snobs. Or if honestly Barbara is such a horrible person that like, you know, they had a strained relationship at, by that point anyway. You know, for, I mean, like, you know, I, I don't think anyone said that the parents would ever deserve to die, but at the same time, they don't lend us any insight as to why this might be at all justifiable. And that's kind of, that's a real lax, uh, bit of like, you know, foresight on the writers. Like, you know, white, like one, one lame scene, I don't care about parents, like uh, that, this still just makes on the screen makes her just to be this hideous murderer uh, by association. And that, that is, uh, I, it, it just makes, it just makes her look worse and worse and worse. I mean, and her a lot of her backstory we just have from like you know little like breadcrumbs that we've like put together in our head. Like, okay, we know that she comes from this rich background, and then like at one point, her and Renee were into like hard drugs together. So, I mean, I would assume from that that like she rebelled against the uptight world of her parents by like you know running in this like you know orange is the new black you know drug and lesbian sex world for a little oh while. God. Well. <laughs> No, no, it's a, it's a, it works. Definitely. <laughs> right. <SNL>. And, uh, <laughs> which I think we even asked about in the first episode too, before we knew about the drugs. Um, so, and then I guess like she just, something happened to like horrify her and then like she got cleaned up and like, you know, opened up her art gallery or something and like, you know, went with Jim, you know, the kind of man that her parents would probably want her to be with. So, well, yeah, that's about like, him, like, like in an episode, yeah. But again, like we we know nothing about. I mean, and I guess Jim's been to that place, you know, to like meet her parents because like he knew where it was, and he's like, her parents live there. Um, so, but we we know very little of her backstory and like what her feelings of her parents are, just like based on these breadcrumbs. But even if like, it, even if we got like a deep pathological relationship with her parents shown on screen. I don't know if I would have accepted, like, her leading the ogre to execute him. And Barbara did not, like, she didn't kill them. You know, like, she didn't, like, that. the ogre did that. But Barbara they, they pointed wouldn't be dead the if it weapon. Her. Yeah, Barbara, like, pointed the weapon at them. Like, Barbara could have said any other name. I mean, you know, and I joked. I would have said, go to the White House because, you know, I would have known. Well, once the ogre takes me to the White House, there's no way that he's getting to the president. The Secret Service will arrest him in no time. Like, I would try and, like, parlay this, like, I'll kill anyone favor into some sort of a way to get free. Well, I mean, like, again, like, like if, if I feel that, like, if her relationship with her parents were, like, at all interesting, we would have probably seen it. But because, you know, she comes from a rich family, snobby, old, stiff parents are, are just good enough to, like, you know, I mean, I, I guess the show isn't isn't trying to justify their being killed, necessarily. It's, like, you know, make us understand why she want, us, want them to be killed, but... It makes her understand, like, no, she's really messed up. Even if, again, like, like Stella said, she was under this guy's, you know, captivity for not even 12 hours. <laughs> okay, okay, she was dehydrated, but like, uh, she must be. Uh, we, we can't pretend that even that, like, 12 hours wasn't traumatizing, though. No, we, we can't, but it, it shows a certain mindset, I feel, that, like, yeah. that, like, 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 we, we weren't we weren't shown the depths of how much it had to take to break her to a certain point. Like you know, in um, uh, hey Justin, listen up. In Spider Man, like uh, when when the Green Goblin had had Peter like you know in that closet for like several days without water or food, and legitimately like, like you think like, Barbara should have grown a beard. 
<laughs> well, in some, in some ways, Jim was her beard. <laughs> hey! But, uh, <laughs> but, like, I mean, that's an example of, like, you've seen this person go through this mental and physical torture, and they're driven to a point where you understand that they have now reached a point which they did not want to be at. And with this show, it was hampered by the, you know, the 45 minute time limit and the fact that, like, they just did not really just justify her being driven to the point. So all of, all of us said, like, she really is that, that horrible of, of a person to, like, take so little time. She, they say, hey, kill my parents. And, um, I don't know if the writers really want us to, to, I, I can't imagine the writers really want us to, to not like her that much. Is my, is my thing. So maybe, um, if, if this is a three part story, maybe if he kidnaps her in part one, and then we have three episodes of her as a captive, and like she's slowly getting more worn down. Yeah, I'll totally buy it. Three episodes of Barbara King getting tortured. Well, I just have um, on Patty Hearst. I found some information about how long she was. Um, go go ahead activity. and share it. Uh, so for several weeks, it says uh, that she was stuffed in a closet and blindfolded and threatened uh, with death. And then after these weeks, she was brought in and, and brought into these, uh, these war council meetings. And then she decided that, you know, I accommodated my thoughts to coincide with theirs is her, uh, is her quote there. So, I mean, the key word there is weeks. Not hours. I just don't, I mean, uh, yeah, unless we're, I mean, I feel like that we, we all don't like Barbara Gordon, right? I actually, <laughs> you said Barbara well, Gordon. I, I want to get say- that quote, like Stella. <laughs> Stella Stella of the back of the back girl Oracle podcast says we all don't like Barbara Gordon. Oh, I'm putting that on Facebook right now. Okay. <laughs> You're terrible. Okay, we all don't like Barbara King. Uh even though I defended her in the last episode. But I feel like the writers have torn her down. And in this case, all I can assume is that she is super weak and weak willed if she you know, I mean, could she not put out, she tried to run away from him, you know, in the beginning and she considered it again when, when he let her down off of this. So I thought, oh, there's some, there's a glimmer of hope that something's there. But we flash from that scene to her fainting and then her waking up and actually holding on to the ogre, which I thought was strange. He wasn't just holding, like her arm was around him as well. And how, how yeah, did this that, 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 that scene where like she's oh, upset yeah. and she's scared of him and recoiling from him, but at the Struggle. same time, like, She's yeah. like pulling herself to him for comfort. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting because it, it makes her like you know psychologically scarred, and they could work with that and and explore her psyche at that point. But I think where, where, where you were going, Stella, if the writers want us to like sympathize with her, they don't know how to do it. I, I, I'm I'm sorry, yeah. they just they're just not good enough at their jobs to like uh-huh. make us like this character, even if she is you know a kidnapped victim, a victim of mental torture. Even still, like. They've not justified, like, you know, the, the lengths of where she reaches by the end of this episode. Sometimes, you know, as I was seeing all of this, I know it's it's dangerous thinking, but my, what if, I, I wondered, what if these women stayed for breakfast? Like, how would that change? Would he, if they were pretending, because she was, you know, that second girl, or the girl, I guess, the first girl we saw, uh, you know, when she was making lamb and everything, putting on a show somewhat, though she was still very frightened, so everything was kind of breaking through. But what the, everything is is broken after they say, no, I'm not staying, you know, after their little, their night, nightly tryst. They, we, and then he breaks and he's like, you're staying, I'm taking you to my <laughs> So I know I just wonder. And Barbara what saw they, the secret what, room they, first. 
Yeah, so yeah, so, she yeah, saw the secret room and she decided exactly. to stay. What the yeah. heck? So after she found out that he was a murderer, my thinking was if she was strong enough, could she have been like, This guy is crazy, I need to get out of here, but I need to play. She along spent the night with him. <laughs> Do you think Yes, do you think she would have been safe staying for breakfast and everything and that he would have let her go out, you know, afterwards? I, I think that it's not just breakfast. It's just when these women decide to leave, like and he's been doing this for years. I'm sure that a lot of women had stayed for breakfast and said, yeah, let's spend the day together. But then, like, eventually, you know, like, after a day, it's like, well, you know, I've been here for a day. I really need to go home and, like, you know, feed my cat now. And then he does his whole, like, you know, <laughs> no thing. I think that everything's fine until, like, he feels like he's being abandoned or, like, he feels like he just needs, like, that constant companionship and you were right on the money still last week when you said he thinks that barbara's the one she's not just like a victim to him did that did that whole okay i don't i feel that we may have gotten to this a little bit last time but the whole thing with the ogre this whole like you know like no you're staying with me and i'm going to lock you up and beat the crap out of you until you say like i know that that's that's like a, an archetype for a serial killer but how did that strike you guys as a plot did that, did that not register with you because to, to me it's like I I felt it was a bit too, I don't want to say cliched, but it was it felt it didn't feel like you know they were kind of going for a type, and also like with this show's indulgence and violence and stuff, I, I did not like seeing Barbara treated the way that she was. I understand it was for plot reasons. I mean, it was it was not for nothing, but it felt like like between the lack of care and showing how her psyche had fallen, and the just kind of like, you know really kind of like in my opinion, uh, trope of you know like, like the killer seduction guy. I thought this show was kind of getting a little bit, uh, I don't know, what's, what's the word, like, sorted, I suppose. Did, did, did that, did that uh, hit you guys over, or did it, just, it was just part of the story? Part of the story for me. Uh, yeah, I think I would agree. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I mean, I, I, I raised a point now where, like, like, after a certain point, just in the way of, in, well, of that, development. Well, that, that scene where she, like, recoils from him, but then, like, at the same time is, like, kind of, you know, going to him for comfort. And when she's, like, all days, like, Jim, why did you come? Even though she said earlier, Jim will come for me. Jim, I'm counting on it, ladies. But anyway, um, it, like, was <laughs> Batman Forever? Um, was yeah. she getting Stockholm syndrome? I think that's a that's a fair guesstimate that she might have done so after like you know four hours. Yeah, yeah I think that's what we're we're supposed to assume, but I just don't think that it was logical in that amount. Logical. I'd have to like really sit down and think how much time has passed because. No, because like, um, we, we see Jim and Bullock do their investigation, and we know that like it's it's like you know not been more than a day at most. It really hasn't been. It, it's the next day because they spent the night together. So it's the night of the party. Then it's the next day. I'm just trying to think if like if any more time passes like throughout that, the episode. Just Bullock go to that that um that uh orgy later that night, or is it like? Oh, what, eyes wide yeah. shut. It's it's daytime at one point in the episode, you know, like when Bruce gets his note and he goes to Wayne Enterprises and stuff. So I guess the whole episode takes place over the course of a day. Well, hold on, I because mean, like 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 it, Bullock and Gordon go go to the club, and they get that clue to go to his uh, dungeon, and then from the dungeon they go directly to their parents' house. So that's not that's not over a course of very long. So maybe a day didn't pass. After, after you know, the morning where she woke up with him and he said, you know, you can't leave to feed your cat. Maybe that wasn't the next morning after the party. Maybe she had been there for a week. 
You know that makes no sense. <laughs> Can I ask you a personal question? Oh dear, this is going to be about sex. Um, if you, if you were to go home with someone and they showed you this room, which like, I keep thinking about it because it doesn't only have, you know, that thing on the wall where you're hanging. There are also like weapons, medieval weapons and things like that, that aren't, you know, whips. Like, stuff that could kill people. So, after seeing this, I mean, I know Donovan and I have had, like, a minor discussion about Fifty Shades of Grey and just, you know, What is happening right now? Whatever. Well, you said, you know, basically whatever, you know, as long as people aren't hurting themselves, right? You know? Oh, yeah. Like, like, like whatever is your bag. Whatever people. Yeah, right. So, I mean, would you, after seeing this room... If even whatever feelings you had towards the you know this member that took you, would you feel like comfortable? Okay, there? if I was a, if I was on a date and you know we end up at the, the in my case we end up at the woman's place and she's oh check this out and she has like this this big like swing and all these instruments or whatever I <laughs> I would probably like I I I can't just jump into that I I would need some time to adjust so I would not. End up like you know bucking over there that night. I would assess the situation and ask myself how comfortable I feel with the person that I'm with and how well I know them. And if I don't feel safe, I would try and find a very like casual way to get out of there before before they would try and like trap me. Minor minor spoilers for finishes here, but even Christian Grey, I didn't spring that on her immediately. I I know the line from the trailer. Like I have like weird needs, so show me. Got me looking so crazy right now. Thanks, Beyonce. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, she didn't have any water, so I guess I wonder for how long. Maybe since she woke up, and maybe that was like that afternoon. So maybe the guy the guy gave me. Say what? Uh, it's just water and nothing else. No Afro. Yeah. No but when, when you're thirsty enough, you'll take it. So like, let's pretend that it was like four or five o'clock at that point. And she had, maybe she had a glass of water before she went to bed. Um, and then in the morning she didn't have time to have water. And then she tried to get out. Then she was a prisoner. So maybe it's been like 18 or nine or 20 hours since like she's had a glass of to drink or something. I don't know if I, I care that much to really think that much about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to like figure, you know, cause we talked about before, like the whole cult tactics of like breaking someone down, but then like it was ruined. But she came from a party where she had a lot of I realized, Yeah. <laughs> because then I realized, Oh shoot. Um, yeah, that was like, she was only there for a day, but it, she's also <laughs> Barbara Keene. Who's like, who's been having this like nervous breakdown for the last six months too. Maybe that contributes to it somewhat. Yeah. Whatever. You know? Who the heck knows? Um, Jim's reunion with Barbara, I feel like, considering the fact that they have not seen each other since Black Mask, and there's a lot that they have to discuss, I feel like it should have been more. But on the other hand, too, I feel like, based on the description for next week, we might get a little bit of that emotional fallout then. So, you know, that's fine. Uh, And by the way, I don't think that I missed the ogre's line about how he's had to kiss a lot of frogs. <laughs> I, I, I did not think about that until you mentioned it. Oh, well, when he's like, I've had to kiss a lot of frogs, Barbara, and he's like looking straight at her, I'm like, Bleh. you've been listening to the podcast, Peter Petrelli, even though that was probably like yeah. written, you know, before. 
before we ever trolled Dustin's profile picture. You know, you mentioned I think there there needs to be some sort of emotional ramifications. We shouldn't see a bright and happy Barbara, which of course, when have we ever seen that? But I I almost thought in my think when I when all of this was going down and how you know she was uh, an auton- automaton, I thought I I. I would not be surprised if she got stuck into Arkham for a little bit. No, yeah, I, yeah, I, I'd actually. <laughs> some oh dear, with the electrocutioner and everyone. Well, they're out. Eh? Um, he recaught the electrocutioner oh. in the episode where he kissed Lee in the locker room. Oh, true. Mm-hmm. No, I just think she needs to be put in some place. Maybe, maybe, maybe he'll get her help or like put her into rehab. Do we think that she's? Do we think that the ogre hasn't turned or something that she wasn't, or did did it bring out you know a sadistic side that she already had to her? I think Barbara was falling, you know, like to the bottom, like you know, but she hadn't hit rock bottom yet, and the ogre basically accelerated her fall, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and keep in mind too, she was still kind of suffering a little bit of PTSD from being um, held hostage by Mister Zaz and uh, Liza and their muffins. Like, remember the episode after Penguin's Umbrella? Like, she has, like, a knife, and she's, like, afraid to, like, be alone. She's so. dreaming about Mr. Zaz and Liza and Muffins. Like, <laughs> oh, no, it's Liza, and she brought Muffins. Help! <laughs> um, she doesn't know that Liza's dead. No, she should cool. be Yeah. I mean, unless she read it in the paper or something. But anyway, uh, this is the second time that Barbara's been kidnapped this season, I guess, then. <laughs> Actually, yeah, you would imagine that she would be done so more since she's the main character's love interest. It doesn't happen a lot on a lot of, you know, like, you know, Skylar never got kidnapped that I can remember. And uh, Dexter's wife never got kidnapped that I can remember. She just got murdered. I mean, but yeah, I mean, if it's every week, like, you know, Donkey Kong, like, grabs Barbara Keen and, like, takes her to the top of a tower. And, like, <laughs> Gordon has to jump over the bear. I'm coming for you, Kong. <laughs> Gordon, no. People have tried to go after Kong before. We have families. We failed. Kong is in Loeb's pocket. I don't care. I'm going to get that monkey. It's on like Donkey Kong. What on earth? <laughs> there are aspects of the show that we do not like. <laughs> like like Gordon's voice. Um anything uh, I mean uh that that sex club that Bullock went to with where I saw a Bane mask, you know, at one point. <laughs> We're just kind of, you know, the it, of, oh, I'm sorry, I thought there was a like, Sandra Kane mask in there too. I was very surprised by the way that like every single time that like Gordon has like said I need something from you penguin like penguin will like jump for joy like oh goody you know Gordon needs my help and I get to help him because that's what friends do friends help each other here he's like oh, again with the favors <laughs> you already owe me a favor dude like you know come on <laughs> me being exas- you know me me being um your friend was like so four episodes ago I need to know where the foxhole is and um and, and Gordon also uh you know beating up that guy in the interrogation room which is funny because earlier this season he would have been like the one telling the cops not to do something like that so we've kind mm-hmm. of we kind of seen a Gordon that's breaking a little more rules as the show goes on so but what do we well, think of- I feel like he's always been like a guy that like never does what he's told so which is uh it's I try to compare that to like you know like the modern Gordon who he's kind of you know part of the system, but it doesn't it doesn't you know bow to it so it's all good. Mm-hmm. Who won't uh, go out the jail cell door that his son opens in Batman Eternal? No, I knew it was going to happen when uh, that guy was uh, trying to assign uh, a dollar amount to Barbara Gordon. Barbara, um, still not Barbara though, Gordon. 
Oh my heavens, <laughs> Barbara Keene. And everyone and on Facebook already knows though, how much you hate her now. <laughs> whatever. And even though he, you know, doesn't love her, I think you know it's great that he is there to to defend her. And and I thought I thought it was a great scene to be honest, uh, because you can see that something does push his buttons uh, far enough to to do that. And and I love that he was, I don't know, so red tape ish. I guess that's the best way I can describe it, just that I'm about to violate departmental procedures. And then, <laughs> and then he bends uh, over Sarah's and then he. And then he says, uh, well, then... There's a donut like, with oh, my yeah, name on so, it. Yeah, so I thought that was good. I thought it was fun. It was, it was good. It was good. Like, like uh, it wasn't... It was interesting. I don't know how how interesting the, uh, like, like... The, I kind of I roll my eyes whenever I say, oh, there's going to be a war! Like, because that's never, like, it's, as interesting war. as they threaten it. So, like, you know, people will be shooting, Jeez. people will die, but, like, none of the main characters will die. If for maybe Fish Mooney, who, uh, next episode, so like, um, maybe I'll kill, uh, kill Carol Kane next episode. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that I, 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 I do want to say before we close this out, um, I mentioned this in the recap too, in my fake little recap too. <sighs> they are looking for Barbara Keene and they are worried sick about her. Where is Renee? Shouldn't Renee be a part of this? Like what? Uh, why have we? Have, why have we not seen Renee since uh, Lovecraft or Harvey Dent or whenever it was? She served her purpose. Wouldn't? Wouldn't she would have been more interesting than Bullock to have this episode because you could have played her against Gordon. Like they're both looking for Barbara and they have to like you know forgive each other for ultimate you know the stuff that happened earlier in the season and maybe Renee confesses to Gordon like I have to tell you something you know when Barbara left you this last time she was with me. And maybe they get a little mad at each other, but ultimately they forgive each other. And, you know, that advances one plot line and you have care. And plus, it would make sense. Like, wouldn't Renee give a shit? Pardon my French, you know, but. They, they do not care about Renee Montoya in the show. Let's just come on. Let's, let's not pretend they did, that they do. Yeah, I, I guess like, you know, it's they might as well not even be care. I mean, I feel like they had a plan for her somewhat in the first half of the season. But then remember, like the episode order got picked up and when the episode order got picked up, you know, maybe they had to move a few things around. Like I almost feel like as much as I enjoyed parts of this ogre plot line that it was legitimately like buying time until the season finale. You know, like you almost could have had like the gang war be set up at everyone has a kubble put or something. You know, something like that. But you know, I say that now we'll see the ramifications next episode. You know, and maybe there's like stuff that happened in this story arc that like does greatly impact everything. But I- I'm sorry if at the police department they're wondering where Barbara Keene is. Barbara Keene's ex girlfriend, who was willing to like fight tooth and nail for her in the first half of the season, she should at least be concerned. Maybe she is, but but they don't show it. The fact is that I mean, they brought the characters on to only suit certain parts of the story. They brought it on for the Jim Gordon stuff that he was corrupt. And once he was found out to be not corrupt, they were gotten rid of. Then Renee was brought on by herself to break up Jim and Barbara. And once, you know, that happened, she was taken off because it was toxic and everything. So, and Barbara was starting her downward spiral. So so once they served their purpose, they were taken off. So they just haven't been used well. And so I think perhaps better than 
putting them on there just superfluously that they need to figure out before they bring them on. That was the anvil or the hammer. Next episode is called All Happy Families Are Alike, and it is the season finale. All Happy Families Are Alike, season finale. As Gotham City's game war reaches its boiling point, Fish Mooney goes head-to-head with Maroni and Penguin in an attempt to restake her claim on the city. Meanwhile, Bob and Leslie Tompkins are brought, to- Ooh, are brought together after recent events, and Bruce searches Wayne Manor for any hints that his father might have left something behind. And then all new, all happy fans are like a season finale episode of Gotham, airing Monday, May 4th on Fox. And have we all seen that little promo for that? Fish oh, has a banging new haircut. Yeah. Because I, I immediately thought Stella in the wig. Yeah, Stella. Yeah, Fish Mooney is uh is cosplaying as one of like the Schumacher girls from uh the biker scenes in Batman and Robin. Yeah, she uh just quite bad. Uh, and they redo the whole like you know your father had this William Shakespeare bus that he would lift up and these two poles would appear in the bookcase kind of thing. Where this is a surprise. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm being a dick. It's, it's nice. It's just like, why, why do they show that last preview, not this one? Well, yeah, that that, that was very frustrating. So uh, I guess what are our hopes? What are we – and I, I kind of asked a, a variation of this last week too. But like, you know, based on this, what are our predictions and what are our hopes for the finale? That was the best episode of the season. And I hope that like uh, it really puts back the – but the pilot promise and really showing you why these characters really make an impact later on, as opposed to getting mired in its own plot. I, 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 I hope it's the best one of this season. Because I, I think that, like, um, it's been, the show's been pretty good lately. And I think that, like, you know, a, a, a good season finale is, like, one of the best episodes of the season. So I think that, like, there's an added pressure to it. But I hope that, like, just genuinely, they really remind you why this show has a place in, you know, Batman's canon. Or why it should do, but right now. I'm hoping that we'll, you know, get like a singular streamlined plot line instead of like six different plot lines, you know, kind of like what we had in the pilot or Penguin's Umbrella, you know, just all the characters are like, you know, involved like in a singular strong story. And we can get like, you know, good, a good Maroni moment, a good Falcone moment, a good, you know, uh, fish moment possibly her last moments um i feel like she wouldn't have been shot if it if it didn't mean anything but she looked like she wasn't still bleeding out you know when she was walking down the street in that little clip um maybe some more closure on this whole you know barbara business uh you know which uh, (laughs) what's so funny because you're asking for the impossible My hopes and predictions. Yeah, I just watched the preview silent, so I'll just, uh, I will, uh, <laughs> I'll go off of my silent viewing of the promo. Uh, with Bruce and Alfred, obviously they find something. Um, I hope it's not a cave. Well, I'm sorry. I hope it's not a bat cave, right? I hope that it is, in fact, a cave, but I don't know. Well, actually, now that I'm thinking of it, I feel like it'd be very interesting if it's almost like the Amazing Spider-Man 2 subway train where, you know, Bruce finds out. Because I would hate for this season to end and Bruce think that his father's, you know, this derelict guy that, you know, he's been lying. So I'm hoping that maybe there's some secretive stuff down there that he was conducting his Wayne Enterprises uh, business uh, with, but I don't think that it should be in your face, uh, Batman. <laughs> um, 
that that would be a little strange if I found a costume down there. Uh, with the fish thing, I'm surprised she's walking and upright uh, after this. Uh, the bullet in her in her liver, well, her side. Who knows what internal organs it hit, if any. I think the war is just beginning. I don't think we're going to see any conclusion with that, but I think there's going to be like a three-way head uh, of all the, I think Fish, Moroni, and Carmine, like something big is going to happen that will, you know, push forward and give momentum to the next season. And of course, Penguin is going to be in the background with that as well. So who knows what happens? I mean, maybe Fish gets uh, an actual bullet from somebody. Who knows? Uh, as maybe for Gordon's Barbara, favor. I, oh. I don't think he'd go that far, would he? I don't know. He already did that thing. Think about how guilt-ridden he was when he was, um, well, he wasn't even party to that. But when that guy was beat up and then the cop was freaking out about him, seeing him in the alley. So I don't think he would go that far. Uh, that was like the, five episodes ago. I know, but it doesn't mean that he's changed. I and, know. You know I'm, how I'm he teasing. treats other people. Oh, okay. Uh, resolution with Barbara. I don't think that's possible right now, just with her character. I think her character is broken, and it needs to say that way, especially with what had happened here. I would honestly love to see her go into some sort of institution and, like, get her life straight. And then with, with Jim and Lee, I mean, perhaps there's a happy ending. I, I don't really know. I, I don't see. We find out that their you know, name sometimes... is Barbara Lee Henry Keene. <laughs> the Henry in there. Um, I I think uh, you know sometimes I can look at a season and like figure out what the cliffhanger is going to be, but this one I I can't really tell. You know what's what's going to be that dangling plot point that is going to get us like, super excited for next season. I don't know, but but I agree with with Donovan that you know as it is a season finale, I think it does need to be a jaw dropper. Yeah, and um, for me, a good season finale will also like keep the audience guessing and like and and has some good cliffhangers. So I'm hoping that we'll get some good ones from there too. And um, as a brief aside, the three of us are also on a podcast called the Comic Book Film Review. There you, you go. And if you listen, um, and because this is coming out on Friday, I know some of you are seeing Avengers. So check out later this month, you know, and look for our episode on Avengers Age of Ultron. And then uh, come back here next week and we will talk about the season finale of Gotham, which is called All Happy Families Are Alike. Until then, this is Josh. This is Donovan. And this is Tess. And you've been listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast. just watched 13 episodes of like Gertrude Cobblepot as like you know a weird Jewish landlady it's uh, very interesting Gotham Begins yeah let me just double check the name of this episode's Under the Knife right oh, no. Uh, no 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 uh-uh. uh, the, the end or the hammer I don't, I don't what, what do these names even mean <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's brought up under uh, in the dialogue it's the end of or that's such an old Russian proverb. Are you the one like beating out or the one being beaten upon? Is, does it have anything to do with that? Just like their general function? I I guess, but what does that have to do with the plot? Um, I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure if I decide to sit down and think about it, then 
Mm-hmm. Oh dear me. Hello, and you are listening to the God. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's starting off so well. I I had like something I thought I was trying to clear it, and then I was like, aha, yes, I, I did it. I started off well, but then like <laughs> it made me laugh. Um, okay. Take two. <laughs> clear it. It's... You're already struggling. <laughs> Thanks, Yoda. What is it, an air hole in his throat? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Yoda when he's dying. There is another sky. Yoda, speak up, I can't hear you. <laughs> I can't do it alone, R2. Yoda will always be with you. Obi-Wan Kenobi has a walking and talking ghost sitting on a log, giving exposition. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yes. Just got off track. <laughs> well, someone said the word Yoda. Hey, it's like that time uh, where in Dragon Ball Z, where the two characters have to take a driving uh, test, and <laughs> just um, like the sister one. is super. Yeah, the, I mean, the sister is super upset, and she threatens them because, of course, they're the only men on the block that don't know how to drive. It's just like that time. The sister, the wife. <laughs> <laughs> I like the episode of Dragon Ball Z where Gohan accidentally, like you know, he was playing in the car and he was trying to listen to the radio. So he he sees the gear shift that has R on it. So he's like, "Oh, that must mean for radio," but he doesn't realize it's reverse. And the car backs into the kitchen, and he like you know tries to walk away. Say what? You guys don't listen to my show, do you? <laughs> Is this real, Donovan? <laughs> an episode of Full House. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and random aside, I've been living in this apartment since June of last year, and I'm just now noticing that above the door, somebody carved in the message, BCR was here in 1997 through 2009. BCR? Yeah, I guess that's their initials. I don't know why I never noticed that I've been here since June. Um... Maybe they'll kill, uh, kill Carol Kane next episode. Who? Peng- sure. Penguin's mom has got it going on. Maroney's gonna kill her, attach her to a bomb. Penguin, can't you see? Your mom's been blown to smithereens. <laughs> but there goes Penguin's mom. If you know what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> 